0: Hello everyone and welcome to ESPN Cricket Go Power Play. I'm Valkyrie Baines and I'm joined by my co-host Fido Swanda. Last year we brought you a load of conversations with some of the leading players in women's cricket. Now we're back with a new podcast name, a new logo and our very own platform. But we've still got the very same commitment to bringing you fascinating discussions with the game superstars.
1: We also plan to explore and challenge some of the power dynamics within the sport and discuss issues of particular relevance to the women's game. This will include conversations around scheduling, pay and equality in the game, as well as all the fun of playing, watching and living live sports.
0: This is ESPN Crickinfo Power Play, Women's Cricket Uncut. First of all, we caught up with one of the biggest names in the game, Nat Brunt, who was very generous with her time. Uh, she stopped to chat with us before she headed to a gym session shortly before flying out to the WPL. It'll be her third trip to India in the space of a year, and there's plenty more to come for members of England's batting unit as they look to iron out some issues ahead of two World Cups in subcontinental conditions. She spoke to us about the whole concept of being part of a player auction, her feelings about the Australians, and crucially, our chat highlighted a growing concern in the game, scheduling conflicts. This came up because England players found themselves facing a choice between club and country, with this year's WPL clashing with their tour of New Zealand. Of the eight England players on WPL deals, only Izzy Wong isn't part of the England Touring Party headed to New Zealand for five T20Is and three ODIs. Heather Knight, the captain, and bowler Lauren Bell pulled out of their franchise deals to be part of the entire trip to New Zealand, while Alice Capsi, Sophie Eccleston, Danny White and Nat Siverbrunt will join up with the squad in New Zealand ahead of the fourth T20I. Kate Cross will be there for the ODIs which follow. And it's so interesting that this has come up barely a year after the conversation
1: started ahead of last year's T20 World Cup. At that time, the advent of a women's FTP was imminent, and the ICC told us that they were really keen to avoid the kind of issues that have cropped up in the men's game, which see a myriad clashes and also lots of leagues unfolding and overlapping onto each other. But already, the women's cricket industry has run into problems. And while that's great because it reflects a result of growth in the women's game, there are also some real negatives in terms of what we're seeing with player availability, both for international bilateral series and for high-paying league cricket. So what we see here is a real opportunity for people to get things right, to create windows for league cricket and separate windows for international cricket. And maybe if they're able to do that, they could even present a model to the men's game. Of course, there's one massive difference, and that is that men's cricket also has huge windows for test cricket. Women's cricket only has rare one-off test matches, and so they're a little bit easier to fit in. Overall, there's just an absolute multiplication of cricket. It's a lot to get in, and someone who's seen and done it all is Nat Brant.
0: We are absolutely delighted to be joined today by a very special guest. She's just been named ICC Women's Cricketer of the Year for a second time in a row. She's the England vice captain and she's a superstar of the game. It's Nat Siver-Brunt. Nat, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me. First episode, can't wait.
0: Nat, just over a year ago, you'd just sold at auction for the joint highest bid price for an overseas player. Can you compare that feeling you had just after the auction to how you're feeling going into the
2: second edition of the WPL now? I mean first of all the wording of being sold at auction is still a bit baffling (laughs) um yeah obviously a, a new experience that we'd seen before um you know with many many editions of the men's IPL um but yeah to be part of it was pretty crazy um intense at times and also, like, just a weird day uh, with it being during the World Cup and stuff. Um, but this year, I, I actually watched uh, part of the, the auction. Um, so, sort of got an idea about how it would have gone last year. Um, but, yeah, feeling a lot more, I guess, settled and, um, yeah, a bit more sure about what, what's going to happen. And, yeah, excited to, to get back over to India and, and start the competition.
0: And... Is there sort of, I guess, um, a, a way of looking at the the WPL that's different now, having been through that experience sort of last year, anything you sort of learnt from from last year and and what it was like being there then that you can sort of take in to this year's
2: edition? Um, yeah, I, last year I hadn't actually toured India for, I don't know, three or four years, so I'd forgotten a little bit what it was like um, <laughs> to go over and play cricket there and obviously the whole country is just cricket mad, and um, also probably as chaotic as 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 much as they love cricket. So, yeah, getting back into the swing of things. Um, when went on tour in India, uh, took a few days, but yeah, we've been there. Like I've been there at least once since with England. So, yeah, I think I'll be a little bit more, I guess, used to the chaos. And um, yeah, I, I tend to just try and take it take it in my stride a little bit and not really get too worked up about things that might not go right or things you know around training or the hotel that you you might prefer but um yeah it's it's such a such a great place to go and play cricket um mainly because of the the crowds and the people wanting to to watch and see see a good match a good match and um you yeah, see some good cricket played so yeah i'm excited to to get back over there and hopefully settle in obviously we're, we're a new New places running Bangalore and and Delhi this time. Um, So we won't be the home side, um, but hopefully they'll they'll still be cheering for some unbound as well.
1: Now, the whole idea around the WPL, much like the IPL, is kind of rooted in getting big international stars to rub shoulders with young Indian players. And now that you've had a season there, what did you see in terms of the depth of the Indian team? and what they've got coming up. And are you impressed? Are you a little bit scared in case they're like, you know, too many great in players?
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, well, one of the um, spinners from the Mumbai Indians made their debut against us, um, Thaika Ishak, um, who, yeah, I guess burst on, into the tournament with being in, uh, I think, I don't know if she ended up with the purple cap, but she, she certainly took... A lot of wickets um in the first half of the tournament and yeah she she's a great character i think that's that is one of the best things about going over there um you get to meet loads of people and, and i guess learn about their different stories and where they've come from and um obviously ha- cricket means so much to, to everyone in india but yeah so when you get that chance to to play they do get they do tend to get quite nervous um so yeah i've tried to help them help them out with that and try and calm them down a bit with a bit of bit of humour and um yeah. It's it's really cool to see the I guess the depth that they had they do have. Um we didn't really know that obviously before the last tournament, um only having played, you know, the, the Indian side. So yeah, it's it's really cool to see to see the different players coming through.
1: Yeah, just on Saika particularly, she's got an amazing story, you know, grew up in Calcutta and Kind of coming from real difficulty. So cricket's changed her life. I mean, it, when you look at that story and you look at what's coming out of India, do you see lives actually changing for women specifically who now have this opportunity to make a career out of the game?
2: Yeah, I was Well, I mean, there was um, another girl, I'm, I, I'm not sure of her name, but this year in the auction, she got sold for yeah. Yeah, two point something crawl. Um, and yeah, just, just someone. Who out of nowhere um, is going to play in a tournament that is worth so much money and and just to be on that on the pitch or with a team and and be in that spotlight, it it can change their lives. Um, one of the girls, Jinty, we had in our team, she she's from a very small village, um, you know, in, in the middle of India, and um, yeah, she 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 couldn't believe how many followers she'd got after the first game. I think she might have like fallen over or tripped or something. So she also, um, yeah, so that video had gone viral overnight and she couldn't believe how many followers she had the next day. Um, but yeah, I mean, little, little stories like that, as it will be happening throughout the tournament, I'm sure.
1: And I mean, then for yourself, it's it's, I mean, overseas players are making very good money of course, that comes with a little bit of, of responsibility as well. How do you juggle that? Because it's kind of like you know you're the big draw card and, and I suppose you know you're there to pass on knowledge and learning. At the same time, you've got to perform. What's that balance like?
2: Um, yeah, I think being being a senior player in the England side, I sort of had a bit of experience of that. And I guess ma- mainly putting the putting the, not the pressure, but making sure I have my own responsibility to, um, to be passing on knowledge and be open with everyone um so that you know the, the whole group can improve but also that responsibility when we're on the pitch to either you know speak up speak up if I see something that maybe could make a difference or or also then um use my performances to to help the side. Um I feel like I've been playing my cricket like that for the last, I don't know, four or five years. Um so yeah it doesn't feel too different in that way obviously with a big price tag that does um add another layer to it um but yeah last year i was lucky that i was in quite a good place in my cricket so um i didn't have to think too much about um the performance side of it and just naturally let it happen um yeah well, i've had a good training block this time so we'll see how it goes
0: the clash with England's tour to New Zealand wasn't ideal. How did you feel when you were faced with that decision of of um you know being at the WpL or, or going on the start of that tour
2: yeah it was hard um obviously uh who's it Finchie called us up and just explained um I guess what what the options were and then um you know let us let us have the decision ourselves I guess um. Yeah, it's, it's such a hard one because it it almost feels like it's a bit of an anomaly. Like it it well, hopefully, will not happen again. Um, so yeah, and I guess with with the with the World Cup coming up, T20s is obviously important as well to our side. Um, but hopefully, with the with the decision that I've made, that will give a chance to um, some players to have a really. I guess, a bit of confidence in themselves in the first three games and be able to, um, I guess, show, show Louie and, and Heather what they've got. Um, and then, yeah, I, I think it will only be be better for our team, whether, you know, people have decided to um, go to New Zealand and, and not go to the WPL in the end, or hopefully people have been, um, you know, done well in, in India and, and got to some pressure matches, which will also help their game. So, um yeah it's it was a tricky decision um and I guess individuals have made their own their own choices um and yeah hopefully we won't be faced with that again.
0: Sure I was going to ask you actually was it something that um any of you discussed amongst yourselves you know as teammates and as friends you know what are you going to do and did anyone ask you for advice or did you all keep it very individual between sort of yourselves and management?
2: Um, no, there was I had some conversations with Danny, uh some with with Izzy Wong as well. Um obviously a teammate at, at Mumbai. Um but yeah, I mean I think ultimately people made their own decisions, which um I think, you know, they should be allowed to. Um but yeah, it'll be be an interesting one obviously when we get to the latter stages of the tournament if if, you know, my team's in there. Um yeah, how how it will feel when England are playing and Yeah,
0: And I guess, um, I hope this isn't an insensitive question, but I guess it's one that everyone's having to face when they do face that choice between club or country and and one that, you know, hopefully doesn't have to get made that much in future. But did you have to yourself weigh up the financial implications of missing one or the other? You know, was was that a factor that you had to take into consideration?
2: (sighs) Um, Yeah, I mean, I would be lying if I said no. Um, Yeah, having obviously gone for that much in the first year um yeah it certainly came into consideration um i mean yeah hopefully this this way up of of club versus country um doesn't happen again um I know obviously it, it happened you know with the men's side of things and um continued to happen for quite a while and you know still will um hopefully yeah these these clashes don't happen in the future, which um, I guess we'll make things, I don't know, it will, it will keep the importance of, of international cricket and keep that, that focus for everyone, where, you know, everyone want, internationally wants to play against the best people. Um, and yeah, hopefully, hopefully it doesn't happen too much in the future.
1: So, now I'm sitting in South Africa where our test team is playing in New Zealand while the SA20 goes on, and this is kind of the collision of the issue you're describing. I have kind of two things to, to ask you about that. The one is, do you want a set window for the WPL, and should there have been one from day one? And then the other one is, how sustainable can this be? Like, How do you manage yourself and your workload when you're playing leagues, you're playing internationals? You want the best of everything, I guess.
2: Uh, yeah, I guess for your first question, yeah, I hope I hope in the future that there will be a window, and and that won't be. I mean, even technically, I think our, our games aren't in the window, but they're two days afterwards, and we can't fly to New Zealand and then get on the pitch like two hours later. Um, it's just you know not going to happen. Um, but yeah, obviously there was a if the tournament was earlier, the the Australians and South Africans will be playing a test match beforehand. So yeah, it was sort of either or, I guess, with that this year. Um but yeah, I think if there can be windows for tournaments, that'll allow the chance for everyone to um yeah, put put their time into into the international game. But then also if they want to um go and go and play some franchise leagues. And yeah, I think that's that will be individuals trying to manage their time really. Um, Yeah, having I guess having a bit more experience of it and and having played, you know, played in the first version of the the big bash um, and went, I don't know, four or five years in a row. It was, it was, you know, a great time, but we didn't play as much cricket back then um, internationally. So. Yeah, there's there's certainly choices to be made, and everything will be taken into consideration in the future. And if there are more leagues popping out, that will that will you know bring more decisions for everyone. Um, but franchise leagues also can improve everyone, can improve international cricket, but also the you know the home country's domestic teams. Or even if you know some internationals aren't available, that means more people might be selected that you know didn't have the chance before. So it does also help help the well world game, I think.
1: Yeah, just on that point, I mean, you, you're talking about all the benefits of franchise leagues. What about the people who, who get left out? Because you know, we see, for example, only one associate player got picked up last year, and I don't think there's anyone this year. We don't see players from Bangladesh or Pakistan, obviously, in this league. What about them? What can they do to improve?
2: Yeah, that, uh, that's obviously a hard one. They they did have a version of the what was it, the Pakistan Super League, yeah. Um, what was it, last year. And all I from all accounts I, you know, I spoke to Lauren Winfield Hill after she went. Um, and they were the, all of the Pakistani girls were so excited about it and um really had a great time Obviously, got involved with all of the international players that just felt like they were crying out for something like that. Um so yeah, it's obviously hard when not everyone gets a chance to to be um, part of the tournament. Um yeah, I don't know if there would be not rule changes, but um, you know, potentially a, a something where you know one associate player has to be involved with with a team per tournament or, or something like that, so that the knowledge can be shared around, and then that that person can then take that back to their home t- home team. Um, I think that has happened before in some form. That happened in the. Um, in the WBBL, didn't it? There was associate players who were involved in the squads in the first couple of years, I think. Um, and I suppose Fairbreak also and, yeah. tried to create that. Yes, exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, if, if anything, Fairbreak's all about that. It's not The cricket um, obviously is important as well, but the the I guess being around everyone and, and the whole tournament just feels like it's a learning curve for everybody, Yeah, Um Yeah, so different plans for different tournaments i guess
0: where do the bilaterals sit in this changing landscape for women's cricket i mean and and what would you like to see would you like to see more of them um would you like to see fewer would you like to see none just restricted to icc events what's what's an ideal scenario do you think for the women's game
2: um it's hard to say i guess um without saying that I want to play more cricket because I don't think there's time in the year. Um yeah, I guess making sure that, you know, team, the best teams aren't playing each other two, three times in, you know, a three year time period is also important. Um, but yeah, we'll see I think the the way that things work at the moment, we, we play every team before the fifty A World Cup at least and then um after having played everyone then um yeah that might uh, allow scope for playing different countries. But yeah, I don't don't obviously don't really get too involved in that. But I, I imagine it's quite difficult to organise things um at some times and, and yeah, making it work for every team, I'm sure it's very difficult.
0: I guess we've seen um in the global games, some really interesting results of late. South Africa are having success in Australia at the moment. Um, Bangladesh Bangladesh beat South Africa. Um, Sri Lanka won in England the T20 series last year. How do you sort of see uh, the development of some of those nations and is there a sense that the the gap is closing a little in women's cricket now?
2: Yeah, I look at those results and think they're quite exciting. Obviously not the one against England, but... um, yeah, the, you know, they've got some brilliant players. Um, I do think, hopefully, it's a sign of the times. And, um, yeah, I think as, as being part of a, a team that's been, you know, in the top three or four countries for for quite a long time, it's it's brilliant when you see countries that haven't necessarily had the same amount of funding or the same amount of training or the time being put into their sides. Um get rewards when, when they do. Um it's really, I guess, heartening to see. Um yeah, obviously we want to as as an England side, we want to perform and make sure we're winning games, but it's not, not necessarily I guess the be all and end all for for the women's game. Um yeah, it's it's like I say, it's really exciting to see results like that and hopefully they're not just one offs there um, you know, teams can put together a series of, you know, three really good matches or, or whatever the format is. Um, yeah, hopefully that, that is a sign that, that women's cricket is, is certainly developing across the whole, the whole world.
1: Now, let's move to your own series against New Zealand coming up. Obviously, you'll miss those first couple of games, but uh, New Zealand, I guess, are a side in a little bit of, of transition. What are you expecting when you get there and, and where do you think the areas of strength and weakness are?
2: Um, yeah, they, they've obviously had some very um, experienced players for, for a long time, players that um, we we know very well and, and have taken games away from us at, at different times. They've also got a much younger half that we don't know too much about. And I'm sure they've got you know a lot of talent and skill um, and will be the reason why they're, they're in the squads. Um, they have, I guess, had a bit a bit of a tough time of it of late and um yeah you should never under underestimate a team that are in that sort of position um yeah we- we've had some great battles against the kiwis in the past and um yeah I expect much of the same from a
1: conditions perspective you know New Zealand presents some fairly unique challenges whether it's bounce or seam movement and and from my perspective cold is also something that I find quite <laughs> tough there um what are you to contend with um not just personnel but also just being in the country
2: um yeah, I guess like you say the the conditions are um different to what we we would experience in in other places um yeah, I think we we have been there quite regularly over the last two three years though um so hopefully it's not too much of a a change in in what we've been used to um yeah, it'll be. I mean, New Zealand's such a such a beautiful country, so um, yeah. yeah, it'll be be a great source to be part of. I think.
1: And then, in terms of preparation for the the T Twenty World Cup, obviously, vastly different. You'll be playing that in in Bangladesh, where things will be entirely the opposite, I suppose. But how much do you think this will prepare you? And what else do you feel you need to do to be ready for that tournament?
2: Um, yeah, I think well, it'll give us a chance to um, play on some good wickets and. In, sorry, in New Zealand, it will give us a chance to play on some good good wickets and hopefully sh- people can have a chance to show the talent that they have. Um, we've seen glimpses of it in in the past, but maybe not as consistent. Um, yeah, from a, from a T20 perspective, we've, um, I guess, played around with the order a little bit and um, t- played around with the personnel as well. So hopefully they can, I guess, feel feel like they're, you know a, an important member of the side and a valued member of the side that um feels comfortable in in themselves to be able to perform um and yeah hopefully we can build that in new zealand um we'll see our summer when we get back so we're playing pakistan but also new zealand are coming to us um <laughs> so yeah we'll see a bit more of them um and yeah put in put in some good preparation before before the tour. um yeah, I'm not not entirely sure of Louis's plans um directly before the before we go to Bangladesh, but I'm sure there'll be some more focus on um the kind of conditions that we'll probably get in, in Bangladesh. Um and yeah, playing in glows.
0: Having um been to India um sort of since uh Louis, or you all identified, you know, playing in subcontinental conditions as being something that England um, need to work on. You've you've since toured India. Do you feel like progress is being made there?
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, We had a really good T Twenty series against them um, just recently. Um, We obviously played in in probably two or three different types of conditions. the wickets were slightly different every time, which you know in tournament cricket that happens. But being able to adapt um, quicker than the opposition um, is something that is important when playing T Twenty cricket because obviously it's such a fast game and can change at any point. Um, yeah, so the the preparation that we had there was really good. Um, there's been a there's been a batting camp to to India last week. Uh, I think there's another one um, in a couple of weeks' time. So there'll be a lot of batters having a lot of experience in those sort of conditions and working out a way for themselves, how to still be aggressive and and working out how they want to play. Um, Yeah. I think it's been a point, uh, not a point of difference, but something that they've been really focusing on. Um, So yeah, hopefully, hopefully I can learn a thing or two of them.
1: Now you've spoken about um, franchise cricket, international cricket, um, you know, all this kind of preparation for major tournaments and and the sustainability of the game. And something that I think we're we're starting to talk about more and more is is how players deal with all of this, not just physically, but mentally. And I know you took some time out of the game. Um, What would you say? How are you dealing with this increased volume? And maybe not just yourself, but how is everybody dealing with it?
2: Yeah, I think, well, for me, working out, You know how the year is going to go obviously that's that can be difficult when schedules aren't decided until quite close to the time um but yeah making the most of the time that you are at home um so we've got our summer coming up which has the 100 in and my home team is 30 minutes away from here so (laughs) i'm yeah making sure that when i when i am at home i'm making the most of it and not not thinking about when i've got to leave again and just trying to be in the moment a bit more um and yeah, that that breakaway has really helped me notice when I need a bit of time to myself, or when we're away on tour, or um, yeah, notice quicker uh, when when I'm starting to feel a bit uh, fatigued or just a bit lethargic about about being away and stuff. So um, yeah, hopefully that has you know allowed other people to speak up if they are having a hard time or or. Um, yeah, they can always come to me to, I guess, get some advice, and I'm not I'm just entirely sure that that, um, you know, would help them. But everyone's the individual and and can deal with it in different ways. Um, whilst we're away on tour, we always try to make sure that there is downtime and and time away from you know the environment or or the team if you need it or if we want to be socialising as a team, but not in in an entirely non-cricket sense or you know whatever it is. Um yeah, John Lewis has really, I guess, allowed us a bit more freedom around that. And um yeah, hopefully we can sustain that for as long as possible.
0: And I guess um there's adjusting to playing a lot of cricket, but another big adjustment in your household, Catherine retired last year. How is she settling into sort of post uh playing career? And and how are you you settling into as you know, her or adjusting to her retirement as well?
2: Yeah, it's been it's been a change, uh, we certainly a difference. I think it's the first time in, I don't know, the, the time that we've been together anyway, that we're not on the same schedule. Um, so yeah, working out how how to, I guess, go about those those sorts of things is has been a bit of an adjustment. Um, yeah, we probably haven't got it right all the time, but yeah, we would obviously then scheduling then comes into, you know even higher importance for both of us so that you know, we know if if I'm going away here, can Catherine potentially do some commentary on that trip or, you know, whatever it is. She's she's not sure she wants to dive into something full on again just yet. Um and try and keep keep things a bit more part time, uh, which she's been allowed the time to do, I guess. Um so yeah, we're working our way through it.
1: Netta uh, Marizanne Cap was on uh on, a, on an audio file the other day talking about being on the field while Danae is sitting in the commentary box telling her what to do and then coming down on the field and, and reorganising it for her and and just that kind of yin and yang between how they, how they cope. Um, what's it like for you when, when Catherine's out there talking about what you're doing or even, like, you know, gesturing or pointing at you? or Do you like it or is it like, leave
2: me alone? Uh, well, to be fair, when she has done some commentary, she's I- – I'm not entirely sure where the, the commentary box is or she's been in, indoors. So luckily I haven't seen her. I've um, obviously seen some video clips of her watching though. Um, and yeah, I, I I knew she was a bit of a nervous watcher, especially when I was batting. So um, yeah, a bit of a funny watch, these that, that, clips in the ashes anyway. Um, but yeah, obviously she's seeing things from a different perspective now. And we obviously talk about how it, how it went after the game and, from a cricket perspective but also then from from commentary as well and yeah she seems to be having a good time anyway um on commentary and um yeah i'm sure sure if there is something that uh is is glaringly obvious to her she'll she'll let me know (laughs) it's easy up there i'm sure (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) now as um as part of power play we've got a little fun uh Quick fire questions for you at the end, whereby we're gonna okay. ask you to build your perfect cricketer based on a number of categories. All right. And you can name any player in the world, any gender, wh- whoever comes to your mind for these categories. Okay. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. So first of all, power hitting.
2: Um Henrik Charleson. Catching. Lydia Greenway. Groundfielding. OBD Williams.
0: Uh, Death Bowling.
2: Chris Jordan. A lot of men in here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Variations.
2: Uh, um, I'm taking too long. Uh, No,
0: that's okay. Considered answers a good answer. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Uh, Okay. Joffre Archer. Actually, batting
0: innovation.
2: Ollie Pope.
0: What about the mag? <laughs>
2: <Nah>. <laughs> and
0: <laughs> the final one power play.
2: Power play from a batting or bowling perspective? Uh, batting. Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What about bowling? Did you have a ballroom
2: night? <laughs> oh gosh, um, yeah. It is the, the the issue I'm having. Right is there's some Australians that are required of these things, but I don't want to. Australians it. are nice.
1: Australians are don't nice. mention their name. Me. No, no, no. No name. No well,
2: I have to. I have mentioned some South Africans though, so we'll, we'll accept that. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs>
0: um, I've got one actually that I did want to uh, throw in at you.
2: Tactics. Who's your best tactician? Do you reckon? Um, probably Meg. Meg Lanning.
0: Oh, we got noisy! Yay. Eh?
2: Yeah, well, I actually oh. played
0: with <laughs> it. Yes, <laughs> <fair>. <laughs> see, all one big family. <laughs> oh, Nat, we cannot thank you enough for joining us on ESPN Creek Info Power Play. It's been an absolute joy to have you, and we really appreciate your time. Thank
2: you very much.
1: Well, that was an absolutely great conversation. And the big thing that came out of it for me, Valks, was her discussion around the auction, because it's so interesting in that it presents this debate around the concept of worth. And I guess as women, and especially as women who have worked in what is a male-dominated industry, you and I would know that that's not an easy conversation to have. It's not an easy conversation to have for oneself when it comes to pay for any kind of thing. And then it also brings up these ideas around people being bought and sold. And I know that when the fair break tournament started, this was one of the things they wanted to avoid. They didn't want this idea that players would be put up and bid for. Instead, they offered an even contractual basis for all kinds of players, whether that's associate players, full member players. And they thought that that would just give people a little bit more peace of mind in terms of who's worth what, because everybody was worth exactly the same thing. I'm inclined to agree with that as the way to go, because personally, I feel quite uncomfortable about this idea of an auction, especially the way it took place last year during the World Cup. And you had players who were trying to perform for their country, but also well aware that if in those first couple of days they did something extraordinary, they would probably get a big deal. And then some of them are training, you know, checking their phones, seeing what amounts they had gone for. And it really places a a very tangible value on what you're worth. I don't know how you feel about it, Vox, but I found Nat Silverbrand's reflections really interesting.
0: Oh, look, I couldn't agree more. And I think I, for one, don't even like the term sort of sold at auction. And sure enough, like I'm pretty careful not to use it. But then first opportunity speaking to her, that is exactly what I said. You know, oh, you sold at auction for such and such an amount because it's just slipped into the vernacular of franchise cricket now and it, it's not just um, just with the women as well. I mean, the, the men's um, franchises have auctions too and it's that whole, as you say, the idea of the worth of a person. Um, and just imagine though being part of that auction last year, this time last year, um, for the women it was a completely new concept. It hadn't happened before. Uh, a lot of them are part of a World Cup. They're playing with teammates who may or may not get a deal at all. Um, it had been talked up as, you know, this huge opportunity for women to make more money than they ever had before from their sport. And, I mean, we sort of thought a lot about some of those players who missed out during that time. But also to think about the players who did go for, you know, big money and, and you know, got great deals. They had to be very careful about how they celebrated that and I think you know some of them probably felt you know quite um you know a, a little bit embarrassed about it um almost because it was you know such a big deal and it was all about the worth of one player versus another who may be your teammate who you're about to walk out onto the field with so it must have been such an, an awkward time and, and Nat did say in her interview there sort of gave some insight into how tricky that was and I know some players have sort of talked about how hard that process was so yeah I mean as a as a term i don't love it um as a concept i don't particularly like it either i mean a lot of other uh leagues and a lot of other sports do drafts um which is you know i guess slightly different but kind of the same thing i mean i i don't know but yeah i i think you're right with fair break making a real conscious effort to do it a different way um is is probably the way to go for me too i think
1: yeah, and I think the one thing we just need to say as a caveat to this is that the money offered at the WPL auction, while nowhere near what it was for men's, it's actually life-changing amounts of money. So life-changing that someone like Shabna Mismail who got picked up for a good few million South African rands, could then say, and and of course she is also in her in her mid-thirties, so maybe she would have said it anyway. But she could say, "All right, that's it. I've now played a World Cup final at home." It's not going to get better than that for me i don't think i'll make it to another three or four world cups when south africa may win one we hope maybe so i've got this amount of money that could change my life it could help me to support my mom financially to maybe buy myself a house or something along those lines and i'm going to quit international cricket and we saw quite a few of those high profile retirements from a south african perspective straight after the auction not all of them had to do with um with the wpl coming up but adane van nikak as well she retired from international cricket got picked up in that first auction didn't really play much and now hasn't been picked up again and she's reconsidering some of her choices but just for that little period of time it gives the woman a tiny window into what's been happening in the men's game for what the better part of a decade that you can suddenly say that's it i'm not going to play international cricket anymore i'm ready to walk away and i can do so because i'll be financially supported What's really, really kind of mind boggling for me is that a lot of women's cricket was being run on an amateur basis and they weren't even earning salaries about three or four years ago. And now they're getting huge money paydays, not as big as the men, but huge money paydays and it's changing the the landscape of the game. So in, in a lot of ways, I don't blame the English girls who decided that they would skip the New Zealand T20s, the first three, as we mentioned, and they would instead stay in India earn the money, get exposed to different conditions. And I guess uh, we're going to see more and more of that as the game
0: grows. That's the thing. I mean, you absolutely cannot knock the fact that, um, you know, these players are now getting a lot more money than ever before. Um, and, And the opportunities that leagues like this are presenting to them, one, financially, and two, you know, playing against the best in the world with the best in the world, the whole learning and development that takes place as part of that and playing in different conditions. I mean, we we mentioned there um, that there's two World Cups coming up, uh, the T20 World Cup in Bangladesh, the ODI World Cup uh, in 2025 in India. So playing in those conditions is not going to do the players any harm from a playing perspective as well. So, um, yeah, we, we also have to consider the opportunities that this is creating for the women's game. Yeah, Exactly. And for Indian players, the WPL is an absolute game changer. We've
1: seen the story of Saika Ishak, who we know comes from very difficult circumstances, had a great payday. She's made a name for herself and she's just one example. I think in the end, the WPL, the real impact it's going to have, as it should, I suppose, will be for players in India. My worry around that is that there are players not involved at all, like the players from Pakistan. And we had that very awkward situation last year where India were playing Pakistan the second day of the T20 World Cup and the Pakistani players couldn't even be part of the auction and and actually said, you know, we need something like this for ourselves as well. We don't see a lot of players from Bangladesh in the auction. And this year, we don't actually see any associate players. So that kind of expansion which we thought was maybe just starting to come doesn't actually seem to be materializing and what we're seeing and this is my worry around t20 leagues generally is that you see the same names and they appear constantly across all the leagues they generally perform okay i mean think of chris gale who's played in something like four ipl franchises five psl franchises two big bash franchises you know you're just seeing the same names appearing and i think women's cricket really is at a crossroads and, and has the opportunity to start to change that by widening the pool, by making sure players like Chamari Atapattu, who got picked up at the last minute, actually appears in more of these leagues. And and not just her, you know, we say her name, but she's not the totality of Sri Lankan women's cricket. There are a lot of other players that, that could be involved. And hopefully as the WPL gains momentum and maybe even gains more teams in the future, we will start to see something like that happen. For now, I think it's gonna be a fascinating season. Last year was about, you know, do the teams have the right balance? And we saw some of them were hugely, hugely lopsided and didn't perform very well. And one or two of them did do so well. So it's still about finding their feet, getting things right, good combinations, good mix of local and foreign players. And I'm really excited for the tournament.
0: Absolutely. And I think too, while we're talking about um, the whole landscape of franchise cricket is, we need to also think about what's going to happen with bilateral series. Are they going to get squeezed even further out as franchise cricket expands for women? Um, because there's a danger there that the bilaterals, which provide a shop front for players that haven't yet got an opportunity in the franchise leagues to show their wares and to say, look, this is what I can do. Um, you know, consider me for a gig at your next uh, tournament. So um It all comes back to scheduling and where the bilaterals are going to fit within that whole landscape of a growing franchise, um, you know, scene for for the women's game. Exactly. And the WPL always going
1: to be an interesting case study for it. It's really the place where the original T20 Franchise League came from. I mean, the IPL, can you believe it, will be in its 16th year this year, which means that some people... Their whole lives, there would have been an IPL in existence. And I think that's as good a sign as any to tell us where the future of the game lies. Absolutely.
0: Well, we hope that this discussion gives you a bit of a taste of how Powerplay looks and sounds going into the future. Thank you so much for joining us on ESPN Cricket for Powerplay. We look forward to bringing you more great interviews very soon. Until next time.